was very eye-opening and I've had to change a lot of like my approach to my singing health. And, um, and sometimes I have to put myself first, which is hard, I think, as a mom. Let's be honest about how challenging it can be to find balance and keep it all together as working moms. Join me on my quest for inspiration as I meet the mom bosses who are raising babies, breaking barriers, and making power moves in their careers. I'm Monica Platek, and this is the Mom Boss Podcast. Hey, welcome to episode five. I want to start things off by having a listen to this. Doesn't that make your soul feel happy? That's a sample of beautiful music from The Good Lovelies. It's their stunning song, I See Gold. Today's guest is part of this beloved Canadian folk trio. She's a mom of two and her name is Caroline Brooks. Now Caroline invited me into her home to chat about life as a full-time musician and mom. And she told me what it was like to tour around the world with her two kids. Hi Caroline. Hi Monica. Thank you for taking the time to meet with me today. I'm so happy that you called me. <laughs> well, as I came in, I have to tell this story because you were actually on a phone call. <laughs> you were doing your music thing, right? You are a full-time musician. I am, yes. So a big part of what we do is not actually music. <laughs> Spend a lot of time planning and booking. And um, so, yeah, I was just on a call with our team trying to figure out some stuff coming up. Yeah, you have a lot of things on the go, I'm sure. Yeah, we just have been through an album cycle. So we're coming, um, we released an album in February. So we've been touring that album heavily. It's called Shapeshifters. Uh, and we're in some planning for the fall. We also do a big Christmas tour every year. It's a big part of our our life as Good Lovelies, uh, my band, and um, and looking at doing a live recording in the new year as well. So yeah, there's always stuff on the go. It's August, but I love how we're talking about Christmas. I know. <laughs> you need to plan, right? Yeah, you do. I actually remember when we were recording our Christmas uh, record, it was in May. It's a very odd experience to like hear sleigh bells in May, but it, it's just part of our lives. We're always looking, you know, six to 18 months ahead. We have tours booked in Europe next year already, which is interesting as a mom because it's in some ways helpful, in some ways overwhelming. <laughs> right. It's good to be organized, but at the same time, you're always thinking of your mom duties as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's sometimes waffle between the big picture and just day getting to day. through to today, today. And I think most moms are like that too. Most, most parents are like that because sometimes I think about, oh my God, I have that tour next June in Europe how, what are my kids going to need at that point? Am I going to want to bring them? Is it going to make sense to bring them to the end of school? So maybe they should stay home. And so, yeah, it's always this, like, I don't know, it's like a revolving door in your head. <laughs> and one of the things that I will get to with you, because I am so fascinated by it, is that you have toured with your children. Yeah. So let's hold that off yeah. for a second. How, how did you fall in love with music? What was your journey like? Um, I was, I guess I could say I was born into it. My parents are musicians. Um, my dad's a songwriter and um, some of my earliest memories are of him practicing the guitar in the next room and his foot tapping on the floor. So some people, you know, listen to music to fall asleep, but that was such a 
such a part of my childhood. So we sang a lot as a family and uh, my parents like to joke that they had children so they could have backup singers in the band. But I mean, there's cheaper ways to do that. <laughs> so music came to me that way. Um, I didn't really ever expect to pursue it professionally. I had a lot of other interests in my life and I didn't study music in university, but it's always just been a part of my life and I've always been writing songs um, since I was a kid. So um, when I met uh, Carrie O and Sue Passmore, those are my two bandmates as part of Good Lovely. Something really clicked and all of a sudden music became more than just something I did on evenings and weekends. It became a, you know, a lifetime career possibility to me. And I think there was a lot of power in uh, having my two buddies do that with me. So yeah, that's the short version of the story. <laughs> I was looking a little bit back at your timeline of how Good Lovelies have unfolded over the years, your Juno Award win. Congratulations yeah, on that. But it looks like you had the band formed before you went and became a mom. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. So did you feel like you were in a good spot with the group when you did get pregnant? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, I don't think you're ever really prepared for it, even if you really want it. Um, maybe that's not fair for me to say, because that wasn't my experience. Like my husband and I have been together, married for five years when we got pregnant with Annabelle. And I was frankly terrified because um, Good Lovelies have been doing really well. And we had an entire year ahead already booked. Like I think that year she was born, I did like 85 shows with her. Wow. And there was a, a, a period of time where Carrie, Sue, and I talked about um, hiring a replacement for me, um, which was very emotional because we've always been, uh, you know, the sum of its parts is greater than the individuals. And, and so I was feeling that a lot. And then we decided just to cancel one tour. And I talked to my doctor and she said, you know, you can, you can try it and, and just see how it goes. So were you really pregnant at the time? I, I, I was pregnant through the whole touring. Like at the last show I played before I had Annie was like the day before my due date, which is really ridiculous. Um, but I started touring with her when she was nine weeks old. And that was like, in retrospect, that was pretty gutsy. And I didn't do that for my second. But in this, in this situation where, you know, you're, you're accountable to two other people. This is your job. It's, we don't get a mat leave. Um, sometimes in the music industry, you take the opportunities that you're given when they're given to you. And that's not to say you can't turn stuff down and it won't come back to you. But I was really pretty scared, but also hopeful that it would work out. And I have, I will just like preface this entire conversation by saying I have an incredible support network. So my husband is amazing. Um, my mom and my mother-in-law and my uh, father-in-law are huge support. So I have a lot of people in my corner and I really felt supported through that crazy experience. Even my doctor, she was just like, you can do this if you want to do it. And, That's and great. that was very empowering to me. Yeah, because I think we look to them to make sure it's okay. Yeah. Right? It's healthy. Yeah. And it's okay for the baby to be on the move. Yeah. So take me back to that time, if you can even remember, because <laughs> I feel like as moms, we forget those early months and early years. But what was it like having a newborn on the road? Um, the first tour I can remember very clearly was a Christmas tour. And uh, my mom was on the road with us for the first weekend. My husband couldn't come that weekend. And uh, my mom was amazing because she really talked me down off some ledges. She's like, I was nursing at the time. So she kept telling me, you know, your baby, they just need you. 
and they need you to feel calm and they need you to eat well and they need you to sleep. So my mom was really great leveler in that on that weekend and throughout that the next year we had some great adventures like that year we went across the US um Canada we played Alaska in February did a tour there um we were also in the UK wow it was wild but in some ways little babies are almost easier because they can sleep on you unless you're in a car um if you're nursing there's that um it, it, i know i've they I, sleep more they in do, general they do um they don't always sleep all night that's one thing i do remember just being really tired and eventually it did wear out my voice a little bit in the the year after she was born i i wore myself out so it was about a year of you doing it and that's yeah. when you kind of felt the effect of it afterwards yeah and uh i mean that taught me a lot about resilience and my own limits and um uh, drinking too much coffee, all that stuff, you know, like taking care of myself. So, uh, it was, it was an, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it, the experience for anything. Um, though in retrospect, it was definitely a pretty intense thing. Were your musicians you were surrounded by supportive of the baby as well? Did that help? She was kind of like your tour baby. Yeah, actually I wouldn't, I remember a conversation I had with this really wonderful woman named Julie Fader. She's a musician in Toronto. And she pointed out to me that what I have as a band is very unique. I have my two best friends in the band and they'll do anything. We'll do anything for each other. Just, you know, regardless of what we're going through, you know, like we've had some pretty dark times, like losing a parent and, you know, my bandmate also has a little guy and just trying to support each other. I don't think I would have done it in any other setting. In fact, I've toured a few times with some other artists and the vibe is still great, but like that family inclusion thing, like I could, I remember several times where I didn't even bring a nanny on the road. I had babysitters at each venue, which left me to take care of my child all day on the road after the show um, even between sets, nursing and Carrie and Sue were just like there for me. Extra, so, like, extra arms. Extra arms. And like they would read me and they would just, you know, Carrie would say, bring the baby to my hotel room so you can have an hour or two to yourself. Nice. And it was, it was amazing. Yeah. That's so nice. It's so healthy in a way. <laughs> I think about it. Like it does take a village. So cheesy to you say. You said that you had gone back faster to the tour the first time around, but when mm-hmm. you had your second mm-hmm. little boy mm-hmm. named Wallace, Wallace, yeah, very cute name. <laughs> did you have some time now to reflect on how you had done things and decide that you wanted to set different limits for yourself? Yeah, I wanted to. Um, I still wanted to tour as long as possible. So for me, it was easier being pregnant on the road than having a newborn on the road. So. Um, I love it. Moms. Hey, yeah. Well, you know, like the <laughs> they're real, better in the belly. They're better. You know, it's just, it, you're exhausted, but at the same time, it's easy to move yourself around than it is to move an infant around. And it was complicated by the fact that my bandmate Sue was pregnant as well. And two of us had our babies three days apart. Wow. So, yeah. It was some fantastic band planning. <laughs> But, uh, was that just by chance? Um, uh, kind of. Like I, I knew Sue and her partner, her husband were thinking about starting a family, and we definitely wanted a second. So it just that that it worked out in this way, some somewhat magical way. Um, although we like to joke, it was based on a Skype conversation. But <laughs> so we had that. So we had each other. I knew I didn't want to return to work 
that fast. And by work, I mean the road because there's so many other things we're doing. Um, so we set ourselves, we gave ourselves three months. And then the first tour we went back on was um, a small house concert tour locally, just to build up our coffers and our confidence a bit and to see how we were due on the road. Like I knew my personal experience on the road was really great with my husband who would, you know, he took paternity leave in that first year so he could do some touring with us. And, but, you know, Sue had to figure out what worked for her and what didn't work for her. And, and I was really conscious of that too. And we were, we talked about it a lot as a band. But then you had two with you. Yeah. So I started leaving Annie at home a little bit more. So, um, she's kinda, a little bit older now, yeah, right? She's, a little she's older. over three. Yeah. So she's three and a half years older than Wally. And for us, like what worked best for us was, um, in those early days, Annie was in preschool or nursery school or whatever. So she would stay home for short tours and I would take Wally with me, which allowed me to just, you know, not, you know, have like a under four-year-old running around and she's a pretty amazing kid. So she's not really troublesome at all, but we, we sort of divided and like did a divide and conquer thing where my husband took care of Annie while I was on the road with Wally and I took my mom or, or had, had uh, help on the road. Um, and uh, logistically that worked for a while. But the challenge for us now is like, what do we do with the big tours? Because this is the bread and butter of our job. Like, um, not to get too deeply into it, but it's not like CD sales are going up or, you know, we make a ton of money off of Spotify, but we, we really make our money on the road. So it's like figuring out what works for our family. How long can I leave them home? What's not too burdensome, burdensome on Colin, my husband, um, what uh, can we afford? You know, we just did a four week tour of Australia. He took all the time he could off of work. What does he do? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, he's an educator. So he's not a tr traditional teacher, but he's um, a manager of outdoor education programs. Not so, a musician. Not a musician. Great music appreciator. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, but yeah, he, he, he's a pretty amazing guy, but we just did this big family trip. But at the end of the day, like, that's our vacation for a long time and I'm not on vacation. No. So it's, it's, you know, you give a little bit and you take a little bit and you just figure out what works for you. They have the life experience though, your kids totally of going and seeing these new countries, right? Yeah. And we get to see parts of the world and experience people in a very different way than you would if you're a tourist. Like we stay in people's homes in Germany. We, we're eating dinner in people's houses before shows or getting to stay in these tiny towns that we wouldn't end up in otherwise. So yeah, they have really cool life experience. And think about my daughter. She's had like, she's gone on, I think she's had 70 flights in her life. Like, I know. I was gonna she's say, only I wanna, five. I want to see this girl's passport. <laughs> I know. I, we stamped up. We really milked it before she turned two. So now they're, that's the other issue. Of course. Now they cost full fare for a flight. So it's just, we have to make, we have to make decisions and we are very privileged people. Like we, you know, come from, um, we, we have a lot of support and, um, I, I'm so lucky I can even have this conversation. Like, you know, will they come to the UK with me next year? That's a question. Not a lot of families can ask themselves. It's just a no go. So we're really grateful for all the opportunities that we have. You're also smart about how you're budgeting it though. Yeah. It sounds like you're yeah. not just kind of buying plane tickets left, right, and center. You're really being strategic about what will work. Yeah. Two kids. It really does add up for plane tickets now. <laughs> like does. the under two thing is fantastic. If anyone listening yeah. has a little babe under two, go do the trip to Thailand now. Yeah. Do as it now. daunting as it feels. <laughs> 
else, right? Because yeah. I mean, I didn't do the trip to Thailand. <laughs> so do it because I didn't. Um, but going back to Australia, I want to get really specific because that is a hella long flight. Woo. Woo. Was it ever? How did you do it? What are some of your tricks? You, I feel like you must be a seasoned mama traveler. Oh, man. Well, the first trick I have is that my kids have never had iPads and also don't have access to phones unless we're in travel situations. So um, we use it as kind of a last resort. It's really useful on long trips. Um, that trip to Australia, I'll break it down specifically. So the way it works is you fly to Vancouver from Toronto, you have a layover in Van Vancouver, and then you fly, in our case, we flew to uh, Sydney. And then from Sydney, we had a two hour drive right after we landed. So fun. And then <laughs> we got to our little motel in uh, Katoomba and I had to play a show that night. It was wild, but we were pretty good on adrenaline. Um, I think uh, packing a lot, like a big variety of options for the kids is good, like having toys and, and kind of doling them out. Any parent would do this anyways. Like you just know, okay, they're done with this. Let's move on to this. And I will say, thank God for Air Canada's in-flight entertainment system, because we spend a lot of our time watching kids TV shows. And also um, in those long travel day, on those long travel days, we still, one of the things that I've done since I started touring with my kids is creating some sort of routine throughout it. So still having you know, looking at your clock and if you're trying to shift their clock a little bit because you're going into a new time zone, you know, still preparing them to have a bedtime. So packing their pajamas, bringing them to the bathroom, doing a little bedtime routine, reading a book, trying to settle them. Headphones are so important, like whether you have noise canceling headphones or just regular headphones to use on your kids, just creating quiet and dark um, in a, a, a airplane setting, which can be very challenging. You so, must've been using headphones from such a young age yeah. with little babes on the road yeah, and music, right? Totally. Yeah. Our little ones uh, definitely had noise canceling headphones from the very beginning. Um, I mean, it's not like we play really loud music or anything, but we're in environments, even like airplanes, sometimes just having a little bit of quiet, really, really changes That's a good the idea. experience. I've never purchased them for my little girl. Yeah, and it's great too. Then you can bring them backstage. <laughs> they can check out your monitor mix. <laughs> Do you have any funny stories of them backstage? Oh yeah, well, I could. Uh, they spend a lot of time after we do sound check playing our instruments uh, through the PA. They think it's super fun singing on mics. Um, so oh, they sing in the microphone. Oh, yeah, they love they, to hear themselves. The, yeah, of course. They, it, I mean, they're little egotistical maniacs like we all are. So they love little it. performers. Exactly. Um, they, I did have a really funny experience, not to digress too much, uh, at a folk festival in Canada where I was touring with Annie. She was tiny. And um, I got asked to leave the backstage area because partners of musicians weren't allowed to be there. And I was like, hmm actually I'm playing. Ah. It was really fascinating just like this assumption based on having a child with you that you aren't necessarily a musician. That you weren't the one that was the yeah. star of the show but exactly. maybe just the one with the star. <laughs> love that. I would have loved eh? to have seen their face. Well I was I did say and, and you know what it's it's I tried not to be offended by it no, because it was, you're just challenging was, stereotypes. It was right? a mistake yeah clearly. Yeah and uh, he was pretty apologetic after. I was like yeah I'm actually playing today on this stage. <laughs> have you ever had to have 
a kid on stage with you just because of some sort of crazy circumstance? I have not. Okay. I have witnessed it and I'm super impressed. Actually, uh, we just played Mariposa Folk Festival and Afi from Bahamas was there. The Bahamas band was there and his daughter went to stand on stage with him. I think she's about four and he played like three songs with her just standing next to him. And I was like in awe because if my kid was on stage with me, I'd be so distracted by it. I just... I That's mean, how I would be too. Yeah. Do you feel like you kind of need to not separate, but almost in a way like have know they're backstage or they're somewhere in a hotel being taken mm -hmm. care of so that you can then put your game face on and perform? Yeah, I, I, I do pretty well um, combining uh, my kids and my work. I don't feel like I'm somebody who has to like, I mean, I probably do perform better when I'm not distracted by my kid crying backstage. That has happened where I've heard a baby wailing in the green room from side stage, very stressful. But, um, but I, I do, I do enjoy having my kids with me. I think I'm a, I, I love, I love the hubbub. Like, and that, that's not to say I don't like a day to myself to have, you know, quiet time today. I have a babysitter and it feels like I have so much time to myself, but I do like the little chaos that they bring and the joy that they bring. And that's one thing we really experienced with Annie on the road, because um, we toured so extensively with her, was that she did bring a lot of joy to the road, a lot of levity to like moments where you're in, you know, you're in Wichita for five days or something or in Missouri. And you're just like, wow, this is... Uh, is, you know, I'd rather be home, but Annie really lifted us all. Like Carrie and Sue too, we talk about it, how joyful she made things, like hilarious moments on the road with Annie. No, it's a good point yeah. because if you're on a tour, sometimes it can feel like a bit of a grind Yeah, and you didn't have time to make it feel like that. No, I was definitely distracted by the, a lot of the domestic stuff I had to take care of and I might not have made me a better musician, but I like to think it might inform my songwriting and make me a more whole human at some point. <laughs> Do you ever hear from moms that are fans of Good Lovelies? Yeah, yeah it's really, really nice. We get a lot of um, people love hearing about our kids and our experiences. We talk a lot about them on stage. You know, we tread that line between privacy and sharing. Yeah, how, how do you make that work? I know it's, yeah. it's such a tough thing for anybody. Well, we check in, you know, if there's a post we want to make, like if there's a picture of Sue's little guy that I just want to share with our Good Lovelies fans because it's sort of related to our work or something really cute he did, we'll always check in and just, you know, make sure we're comfortable with it. But it is a dance. It's like, you want your privacy, but you all, they're also, it, little kids bring so much joy to people. Like we even joke that if we put a post up about our kids, we get like way more likes than a selfie of the three of us. You know what I mean? Yeah, so oh, for sure. It's, it's, yeah, we tread it lightly, but um, yeah, they're a big part of who we are. Like a lot of our songs are about our kids and Carrie is, um, she's from Newfoundland. Um, she lives in Newfoundland. She's from Ontario and she is the best auntie. She doesn't have kids, but she's the best auntie. And uh, she likes to tell a lot of stories about the experiences she's had traveling with our kids on stage too. That's so nice. Yeah. She's, she's benefited from being that auntie on the road with them. Oh, for sure. And they've benefited greatly from her. She's a really childlike spirit and um, is so generous with the kids. So yeah, um, I, I think I'm painting a very rosy picture of our experiences and maybe that's what I do to get through the day. But yeah, it's, it's it seems like you're cool. a pretty optimistic person. 
Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. But no, I think one of the things that this podcast aims to show as well is that challenging side, right? Yeah. I guess I would just counter that because you're kind of hinting to it. Mm. What have you found to be some of the challenges of really trying to make music and motherhood work? Um, one is burnout. Um, yeah, that first year touring with Annie, I came into some harsh realities about my physical limits. Like I... I developed a vocal node, which very like severely limited my ability to sing. And I, I tend to sing the high range stuff in our band. And a lot of that high range was disappearing. And I saw a doctor and she's like, you need to sleep. Like there's no question. So it was, it was very eye opening, and I've had to change a lot of like my approach to my singing health and, um, and sometimes I have to put myself first, which is hard, I think, as a mom. Like, sometimes I have to just say, I cannot get up this morning. And I I do have a really supportive partner who knows that. So, you know, if you're playing a show and you're home at one, you can't be getting up at six. It's not healthy. You can do it for a couple of days, but then it's just, it's really not good for you. It's not sustainable. Yeah, and I think... The other, I would say the other main point, I would say the big challenge is just the nature of our work. Like I said, we have to be on the road to make money. And the best tours naturally are the ones that are three weeks longer. They're the best benefiting, uh, the, the best way to benefit your bank account because you're just consolidating expenses and uh, especially if you have to go so far away, but I can't do that anymore. And um not at great cost either to my family life or to my finances. So we we are starting to have to make some tough decisions like, am I going to be the mom who is absent for, you know, three times a year? Am I gone for two and a half weeks? What does that look like for our family? Can I handle it emotionally? Can the kids, are the kids going to be okay? Like, how is my husband going to handle it? What kind of support do we have? So there's a lot of that stuff. And I'm not going to lie. It's extremely stressful to think about. Like we have a big couple big tours that are back to back coming up and will see me away for two and a half weeks and then a month between at home. But yeah, I'm not going to lie. Definitely wake up at night thinking about it. Would it be possible for, I know because it comes down to travel expenses for the kids too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Would they ever come for a little bit, like kind of check in on mommy and see some shows and then yeah, yeah, I mean that that definitely happens a lot in Ontario. Um when it's closer to home, yeah, it's easier. And that's again where the conversation where Colin and I have to say, okay, well, is it possible for you to come to the UK? What does your work like what does your work look like that at that point? Um, or is it better for me just to go and get it done and just come home? The UK is far. It is far. And um yeah, so so all those things are are hard. I I don't know what, it, like their needs are always changing too. Like I talked to some older moms um, who have gone through it already. Like that's a the thing. There's this great network of women who are moms on the road and how do they manage it? And, uh, and, you know, you talk to some of the women who've been through it, like um, there's a great folk musician named Connie Calder. And I've talked to her a few times and she's like, it gets easier as they get older, right? They get, you know, a little bit more self-sufficient, but you know, those teenage years when my daughter might really need her mom around, or maybe I'm just, you know, I think she'll need me around, <laughs> you know, like there's all that stuff that I find emotionally draining. Sometimes. There are different needs at different ages. Exactly. Right. I, I think you said that sometimes it's easier when they're a tiny baby because 
you know what their needs are. They're simple. And then between their needs, they're sleeping. Yeah. Whereas, you know, at, as they get older, they start to communicate better. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I find really, really emotionally draining is when I speak to my daughter and I'm away on FaceTime, which ideally yeah. should be a very good tool for connecting with your kid when you're away. But I find, I don't know if it, it makes her upset that she can't actually be with mommy while she can see yeah. her. Yeah. So I've talked to a couple of moms that feel the same way. What are some of your ways that you do stay connected with your family when you can't be with them? I think you've nailed it. I'm, I'm glad you said that because that's an experience that I have. Not so much with my older girl, but with my boy, if he's feeling sensitive, like Colin and I, we try to we try to FaceTime at the right time of day. Like before bedtime, FaceTime is not healthy. Disaster. It's disaster every time. Yeah. Like there are tears and like, oh, mommy, come back, mommy, come back. And then you hang up feeling yeah. like the worst person in the world. Yeah. And then you, <laughs> and then in my case, I have to go play a show it, and sing a song about my kids. It's just not a good scene. <laughs> Definitely have cried on stage recently. Um, oh man! But you're, yeah, you're right. I think one of the things we're trying to get better at is, yeah, the timing of the conversations and also just talking on the phone, like voice, like old school. It's, it's better. <laughs> it's better. I'm telling you. I think selfishly, we want to FaceTime mm. because we want to see them. Mm-hmm. But it's honestly, it's worse for them. Yeah, it's worse for them. Yeah. So, what would you say has surprised you most about motherhood? And don't worry, everyone gets stumped by this question. Hmm. I think the first thing that really surprised me was I was really scared before I had my first child about if I would know what to do. And when I first held Annie, I was, I, I lost that feeling immediately. Like, I hope this doesn't sound like ultra confident or anything, but I just kind of knew innately what she would need. And um, that was a really empowering feeling. And I think is partly why I felt confident enough, even though I was freaked out, uh, to go on the road with her. Like, um, I'm really, really surprised by how resilient kids are. Like the things that they can manage. And maybe this is also because I have pushed them a lot to travel and um, get outside their comfort zone. Um, but yeah, kids, kids are really even though, you know, they benefit from structure and they benefit from schedule, they're really flexible little beings. At least maybe that's my experience. No, I love that you're saying that because I think the times where we have been traveling and it's been long days and long nights, she has sometimes been the best person out of the three or bigger group of us. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like everyone else is letting the exhaustion get to them and they're still singing in their stroller and yeah. dancing along. Thank you so much, Caroline. Thanks, Monica. It really is inspiring. We haven't talked to any other musicians yet that are touring like this. So I'm happy you've been able to make it what you do for work. That's yeah. also something that's that's really, really lovely. Well, I hope I can keep doing it. We'll see. But <laughs> thanks for having me. Thank you. Now, I'm sure after listening to that, you're intrigued to hear more music, especially the songs inspired by motherhood from The Good Lovelies. It's such feel-good music, and honestly, as moms, we can totally use a break from, you know, Peppa Pig in the background or all that whining. Am I right? It's time to raise it up, mamas. Have a great day, and connect with us soon on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Mom Boss Podcast and at Monica Plattek. 
Subscribe for more episodes, and if you're feeling really nice, you can leave us a review. I got the power.